0: arrived at the destination for education and entertainment webmaster radio.fm because not everyone's last name is gates webmaster radio.fm we're everywhere
1: stand by for the hook
2: Welcome to The Hook with Katie Kempner, Vice President of Agency Communications at Crispin Porter and Bogusky, the most awarded advertising agency in the world. Every Tuesday at the intersection of advertising and PR, The Hook, where Katie talks with advertising visionaries, top journalists, cutting-edge creatives, authors, and PR gurus. Hear what these industry insiders have to say about the changing landscape of advertising and PR today. Now, here's your host, Katie Kempner.
3: Hello, I'm Katie Kempner. Today is Tuesday, October 11th, and you are listening to the. Oh, is it the 11th? I think it's the 11th. You are listening to the Hook, where each week I talk to advertising, branding, and public relations insiders who are both leading and covering the industry. Oh, it's the 10th. Hello, it's Tuesday, October 10th. Hopefully, by listening to these thought leaders, you will find inspiration and new ideas that you can use in what you do and have some fun along the way. And don't buy an imitation Rolex because it won't tell you the right time. No. Today promises to be a very interesting show. My first guest is Deborah Zabinsky, and she is Senior Vice President, Executive Director, Corporate Communications and Public Affairs at Publicist New York or Publicis USA. Then later in the show, we'll be joined by Kip Chang, Vice President and Director of Public Affairs for the 4As, and Jeremy Miller, Public Relations Director of TBWA Worldwide, to talk about an issue that has been a hot topic in the advertising industry lately. And that is that the 4As, the American Association of Advertising Agencies, has actually hired a PR agency, Golan Harris, to mount a campaign that PR is the advertising industry as a whole. So it's created a lot of debate. Some people think it's a fantastic idea, others are not so convinced. Later in the show, we're going to discuss it, which you could call a virtual roundtable discussion. But now I would like to welcome my friend and my first guest, Deborah Zabinsky. Hello) Hi, Katie. Is it the 10th? It's the 10th, right? It is the 10th. <laughs> I wasn't disturbing. sure either. That's disturbing. No. <laughs> it's all moving so quickly. I know. Now, how do you say, there, is there a silent Z? How do you say your name correctly? Silent D? Tell me how you say your last name.
4: Zdobinski.
3: You say every
4: single letter. Really? But if you're afraid you can say you can skip the Z and say Dobinski.
3: If you're afraid.
4: Where's that from? (laughs) My father was Polish. Okay, so if I'm afraid
3: I can just say Dobinski. Yes. Okay. I'm afraid. I'm very afraid. I can't even get the D right. I should be very afraid. (laughs) Now, I was hoping that you could just tell us a little bit about, um, about your, you know, your life. And I have your bio right here, and I, I know that before all this, you were a ballet dancer with the San Francisco Ballet for many years. But can you tell me a little bit when you got into advertising and sort of the genesis to get where you are today? Sure. Um, well, like you said, yeah,
4: my first career was a. Prof- being a professional ballet dancer with the San Francisco Ballet. And um, then sort of sooner rather than later, I realized that that kind of career wasn't going to last forever, and so I was looking for my next step. And... um, My first job, sort of civilian job, was um, as an assistant producer for the JVC Jazz Festival, which is something I just fell into, and I liked production. So I answered that in the New York Times and got um, got an interview at DDB in the production department. And uh, I, the guy I interviewed with said, well, you know, you don't really have very much experience, but if you could be a ballet dancer, I'm sure you could do this job. <laughs> and <laughs> and that's what, I, what was so great about advertising is that, you know, um It was people, easy next to ballet. <laughs> well, <laughs> and you that, can eat and also, more. <laughs> it doesn't matter where you get your ideas from, mm-hmm. if, you know. It comes from everywhere, and people, it, you, that's, that was what happened for me was I got a chance. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. even though I didn't have a background in it, and it turned to be a, a, out to be a great place where um, I was able to flourish, and within a year and a half at DDB, I was director of corporate communications, so um, wow. things moved pretty fast.
3: Wow, wow, wow. And then you made your way over to where you are now?
4: Yes, um, with a little pit stop on the way to um, a company um, that doesn't exist anymore, Becon Three, which was acquired by Publicis um, right. a couple of years ago. So,
3: now in your role now, I know you're responsible for raising the business and creative pu- uh, profile of the Publicis brand in the U.S. And for press relations and internal communications. But now is that for I think some people get a little confused because there's publicity agency and publicist the network, correct?
4: <laughs> right. <laughs> Welcome to my life. I am <laughs> explaining this, um, you know, a hundred times a day. Yeah, it, it is very confusing. Um, basically, the reason is that it, uh, the company, the original company was Publicis, and it was an advertising agency. And then, as it grew and became bigger, and now it's the fourth largest in the world, they, um, the holding company, kept the same name because it was. It's a very Kind of um, family-owned company, and uh, this Maurice Levy is only the second chairman ever in the history of the company. And uh, so they um, they figured that people would understand the difference between Publicist Group and Publicists uh, Worldwide, which you know once you do, did they do know that? about it. What were they basing that on? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it takes a little bit of a you know conversation, but there is a difference.
3: So now tell me a little bit about what your main responsibilities are and what a typical day, if, if that word is, if that even makes any sense, a typical day, but what a day looks like for you.
4: Well, um, I am responsible for all of the press relations and for really publicizing what we do um, at Publicis USA, which is 10 offices across the United States. And so that means I have to be in touch with the CEOs of the different offices and the creative directors and various account leaders to find out what's uh, going on and, you know, what new campaigns or... um, uh, activities for clients might be interesting and something that I could talk about to the press and uh, mm-hmm. hopefully get a positive story to get the word out about uh, what we're doing. And so, um, you know, sort of the... Uh, there really isn't a typical day, but um, a lot of what I have to do is to talk to people, find out what's going on, find out the news. It's kind of like being a journalist uh, only internally in the company. hmm and um, and then, you know, look at it strategically and talk to the powers that be and say, okay, here's what I think, you know, would resonate and here's what I think journalists would be interested in and um, what would, you know, what would make a very good story. And then, you know, go about getting all the materials and, um, and you know, over the course of time, of course, timing is always a really important thing when pitching to the journalist, so I have to make sure I have this stuff uh at least two or three weeks ahead of time, and and then go ahead and pitch it. And then, of course, there's the random calls from the journalists that you get every day that, you know, yeah. you think everything's fine, and then they're like, hey, what about this?
3: <laughs> and that usually happens at on a Friday at about 5.15. Exactly. <laughs> so. And nobody's around, and you're like, oh, hmm. <laughs>
4: <That's>
3: okay. Uh, <laughs> let me get right back to you. Yeah. Now, you raise an interesting point about something that you do, do during the day, because for me, I mean, when we were a much smaller agency, it was really easy to find out everything that we were working on because people were either, you know, knocking on my door, or it didn't really make any difference because my office was right next to Alex Buguski's, and we weren't doing that much at any one given time. Now I find, you know, it really is a challenge to make sure you know ahead of time enough of ahead of time what everybody's doing because there's so many things going on, and I've had different PR people on before. I remember Janet Northern saying that she loves to just hang out anywhere near the creative department and try to, like, just pick up on the buzz of what's going on. I mean, what, what do you find to be the best way at your company to make sure that you know about the work that's about to break?
4: Um, well, I, um, there's a couple of different ways. I mean, I do like to hang around the creative department and talk to people, but things are so busy that a lot of times, you know, that's, just not practical anymore, although it is the most fun way to get the information. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I try to do is, like, um, either meet with or call up the, you know, creative director and say, hey, what's coming up in the next three months, you know, and mm-hmm. get ahead of the news. And then I just, you know, I'm just like a little terrier. I bug them. Okay, here's what I need. You know, what about this? I need it now. Just, you know, do you think this is something that you your client would let us talk about, things Like that, so Mm -hmm. um, it's it's a bit of a process, just because you know it's it's something you can't get overnight. But it's interesting because every time you talk to them, you find out a little bit more, and you piece the story together, and um, I, I think that's really helpful.
3: So now, just talking a little bit about internal communications, because that's certainly one piece of it. Yeah. What is it that in, internal, like internally, how are you sort of charged with overseeing the communications?
4: Well, I guess there's two parts of it. One is that, you know, I work with our CEO to... Um, Communicate sort of on a regular basis, just to keep everybody informed, whereas um, as I, you know, gather the information and help put put it together um, for like a regular communication from the CEO to all of the USA employees, and then the other part of it is. Um, it really, well, we used to have a newsletter, but we're kind of, you know, we're kind of like rethinking what we're doing given this mm-hmm. new web two world and um, 2.0 world and that, you know, we're, uh, we've we sort of gone on a hiatus of that for a moment and we're looking into other ways, possibly, you know, a blog or An internet. Um, just something a little more two-way, a little more up-to-the-minute and um, something more fun. Mm-hmm.
3: Hmm. We we have an intranet that uh, we have had for a couple months. It's really cool and it's very interactive. So is uh, it is, that,
4: is it like a blog or?
3: Um, it is a posting of all different things about the agency that continually changes, almost like an electronic newsletter. But then there's also a place where about different things you can talk. You know, like a blog. Uh huh. So that's cool. It's very cool. But now, there's so many other things that I want to ask you, but I'm being told that we need to take a little break. Okay. So let's take a little break, and we'll come back and try to ask you as many questions as we can get in. We'll be back <laughs> right after this. Okay.
1: Sit tight and don't move. The Hook. We'll be back after this short break.
2: Want a hot pod? Load it with webmasterradio.fm and play with us all day long.
0: Webmasterradio.fm. We're everywhere attend the public relations event of the year the 2006 prsa international conference benchmarking your public relations strategies with the best conference registration gets you insider access to dynamic speakers and unparalleled strategies and networking events register at prsa.org to receive a 100 early bird discount off your registration qualified non-members will receive a bonus one-year PRSA membership. Visit PRSA.org for details. WebmasterRadio.fm, the official radio network of the 2006 PRSA International Conference. Wow, looks like you caught another one.
1: Yeah, thanks. That uh, makes 23 so far. You're kidding me. I haven't caught a thing yet. Really? What kind of bait are you using? Same as you. Well, then maybe it's where you're fishing. What do you mean? Well, if you want to catch fish, don't throw your line out in the middle of a big lake. Take a smart look around for where the fish congregate, like over by this log. So I just have to look smart, huh? That's right. It's all about fishing where the fish are.
2: Learn how you can fish where the fish are. Go to signup.looksmart.com. Signup.looksmart.com. More Now, experience the future of web design and development with a whole new level of efficiency, expressiveness, and simplified workflow. Introducing Studio 8, a compilation of the latest releases from Dreamweaver, Flash Professional, Fireworks, Contribute, and Flash Paper, sure to inspire you to create superior online video sites and mobile content. And now, through this exclusive webmasterradio.fm offer, listeners can save a whopping $100 off Studio 8. Visit the online store at adobe.com or contact Adobe Customer Services and provide promo code Webmaster Radio in order to receive your discount. Studio 8, your way to create. Dishy Mix, the soap opera for the Internet Society. Susan Broughton dishes up delicious news and gossip while interviewing the glitterati of the Web 2.0 world. Dishy Mix, Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, only on WebmasterRadio.fm.
0: Get hooked, wrapped, and dished. All week long on webmasterradio.fm. Your destination for education and entertainment. Webmasterradio.fm.
1: We're everywhere. Now back to The Hook.
3: The intersection of advertising and PR.
1: Only on webmasterradio.fm. Now, here's your host...
3: I'm Katie Kevner. Today is most definitely Tuesday, October the 10th. And I, I'm not going to be frightened saying this, I'm talking to Jebra Zidabinsky, my friend, senior VP, of corporate communications and public affairs at Publicist USA. Hello, hi. That's actually my favorite part of like you know the in and the out you know like and we're back and we're going and we'll be right back after the because it feels very professional you know. Yeah, it sounds
4: great. I was impressed.
3: You were impressed. Yeah. Oh thank you thank you. Oh you're not just saying that are you? No 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 I really was.
4: <laughs> I almost forgot you were I was supposed to talk because I thought I was listening to some star on radio. <laughs>
3: Well, you know, I am interviewing the glitterati of the advertising industry. <laughs> I I was listening to that uh, commercial yeah. <laughs> for Susan Bratton. <laughs> I know. I was thinking, she, is she talk Is that me? Me? Am I a glitterati? No, no. She she's the glitterati of the online on uh, I mean, the of the online world, uh. and I get the uh, walking around world, the offline world. <laughs> I don't know what you call it. <laughs>
4: the second life. The, the, <clears throat> exactly.
3: So now we were talked a little bit about you know, the best way to try to find out what work is going on, and you guys Mm -hmm. are always doing so much stuff. I was wondering if you could just sort of give a little case study of maybe one of the coolest things your agency did recently and how you were able to promote it.
4: Um, Well, I think um, that this summer we – we one of our big clients is t mobile and mm-hmm. um we uh, did the campaign to launch the Sidekick three, which is the newest iteration of sidekick um and um you know a very popular mobile device mm-hmm. and um it was one of those situations where um you know normally maybe it would have been um TV or uh, TV outdoor print kind of combination. But um, because of the target, um, our agency convinced um, the clients that a better way would be to create a microsite. And so um they created this really cool microsite that's like a social community and mm-hmm. um when you go there you you know just sort of can wander around and different things pop up and there's games and stuff that you can play and um so, it was, you know, I kept hearing about this, oh, you've got to find out about Sidekick 3, you've got to find out about it, and um, so I, you know, this was a little bit of a challenge because it wasn't the uh, sort of regular creative team, there was a new interactive director there, and he was kind of his baby, and so mm-hmm. I got that information that way, and they sent me the site, you know, a link to the site, and got to play around with it and stuff, and um then um we it it just happened to work out that um adweek was doing a um kind of a roundup story but they were you know singling out like some of the top marketers that were using um non-traditional media and so mm-hmm. um we were able to arrange it with the clients to talk to them and they got you know some great uh, visibility in the story and it was a cover story and it was um just uh, you know, one of those things where the timing was right. It was a really cool um, site and a really a different way uh, to engage the the customer and the um, target audience of the brand. So that was really fun.
3: Now let me ask you something because somebody who who's listening, whom. Um, might be interested in finding this out. So, how did you know that Adweek was doing a trend story? Do you have a contact there who, that you stay in touch with? Who told you, or yeah. how did you know about that?
4: Well, I, um, you know, I, all of the agencies have beat reporters that follow them um, yeah. in the trades um, that have certain agencies that they cover. I'm, uh, I i do not know. I'm not sure who you work with at the different ones, but we, um, you know, so you you kind of are in contact with that reporter on a pretty much. Day daily basis, sometimes even more than that, and, um, you know, you share information, and it's always like, okay, what's going on, or, you know, what are you working on, Or or because they know you so much, they'll say, hey, I'm doing this story, and I thought, you know, one of your clients might be, you know... Be doing something that would be right for this story. So um, it's that constant communication and the relationship, and you know, sort of knowing. Um, I, th- at this this particular instance, she knew that we had a client that did this kind of work. Whereas lots mm-hmm. of times, I, I it might be the other way around. I'll know she's interested in something, and you know, I'll come to her at the moment when we have, you know, kind of a nugget that she might be interested in.
3: So then, from your point of view, you know, if you're in a trade industry or if you're in an industry that's covered by trade journalists, which most most people are, whether they're in advertising or not, it's pretty important then to have relationships built up with journalists?
4: Oh, yeah. I mean, um,
3: well, don't you think so? Well, I do think, I, I, absolutely, I think so 100%, but I also think that it's a very interesting line because on the one hand... It's very important to have relationships with journalists, and there's one or two, like, you know, Suzanne Vernica from the Wall Street Journal, I love staying out with, so I'm, you know, I'm excited to see her whenever I can, but I also think that, you know, it's not all the time that your goals are exactly the same, so it's kind of a tricky relationship.
4: Yeah, well, you're absolutely right there. It is a, it's a, it's a very, um, interesting relationship that is based on trust and respect. And um, you know, and I think that it's that's why it's it's even more important to have a good open line of communication with, you know, a reporter whose job is it, it, we we both have a job to do. You know, it might yeah. be that reporter's job to cover what's happening with your agency, and um, you know, I mean, the thing is that if if there's a trust, you know, built up in that relationship, then I think, you know, in the tougher times, um, you have sort of, you know, equity in the bank to really um you know, maybe there's some kind of rumor flying about and it and and, you know, it's not true. But, you know, yeah. why why would they take your word for it, you know, necessarily? You're you know just you know saying what you have to say but you know it's it's having that relationship that you know is you know you can trust that person
3: that's yeah which is why I have like for somebody like Suzanne I have the utmost um you know, just admiration for them, because they understand that. I think that there's some journalists that understand it better, and some journalists and p r people that don't don't understand it as well oh, you're absolutely so, right, yeah, so and when you have somebody that's like a true professional like she is, then mm-hmm. you know it works very well yeah she's
4: she's really great, and, it, and you know it's really um. It it, it really is something to admire, too, when they're, you know, a journalist. It's like they can pick up on the slightest (laughs) things, you know. Uh, So you have to be careful with what you say.
3: (laughs) Now let me ask you a question because we I can't believe this, but we're almost out of time. Oh, my gosh. You know, I wanted you to stay for our roundtable, our virtual roundtable discussion. I know you can't do it.
4: I'm sorry. Yeah, I'd love to stay.
3: But you, you're going to come, well, you'll have to come back at another time, unless it turns out that having everybody talk at once is a terrible idea. And then <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be great. We'll have to wait and see. But I wanted to ask you, what do you think are the biggest challenges of a person, you know, getting into PR or even someone who's already in PR, but just a PR person in general is facing right now? Well, I think
4: that just, I mean, the time that we live in is, um, it's changing, you know, communications is changing so dramatically in so many ways, and, um, you know, on the one hand, it's a little scary, and even if you've been in the business for a long time, it's suddenly like, you know, you feel like you don't know anything, or maybe you should feel like you don't know anything, and you know, really get out there and make sure that you have a fresh approach. Um, so it's a little scary, but at the same time, there's so much opportunity. And I mean, the the thing that I find most interesting about the field is that you—it's uh, quick-moving, uh, interesting characters. Like it's sort of you know, every things new and different exciting things happen every day and it's like not only are you in the middle of it because um... you know it's 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 competitive and you want to have the word out about what your agency is doing in those exciting areas too but it's just it's like you're constantly learning something so um... you know i think that's the opportunity and the challenge the change to be able to embrace it to be able to have a fresh approach if you've been in the business for a while if you're new just know that, you know, how, if, if you're the kind of person that likes um, change and new things and learning about it and becoming an expert very quickly, then it's the place for you.
3: That's a very, very good answer. I have one more question. What's your favorite restaurant in New York? That is a question I've decided to start asking people because I personally like to know.
4: Well, I have a an all time favorite, but the, and this is kind of a chestnut. It's it's JoJo's on Sixty Fourth Street in Lexington. It's like one of the first. Um, Uh, George von. Of course. Yeah, I can't say his name. Anyway, it's one of his restaurants. It's it's just great food. It's been you know great for many years, and it's it's just a wonderful atmosphere. But I'm going to a new place tonight. I'll let you know how it is.
3: I have a very funny story about JoJo's, but I'm not going to say it here. I'm going to have okay. to email it to you or call you later. <laughs>
4: <Okay>. <laughs> All right, sounds good. So thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you.
3: I'll talk to you soon.
4: Okay. Take care. You too. Bye bye. Bye bye.
3: Okay, we are going to take another short break. And when we come back, we'll be speaking with Kip Chang and Jeremy Miller in a virtual roundtable discussion. Okay. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> back after this
1: sit tight and don't move the hook will be back after this short break
0: blog 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 webmasterradio.fm we're the talk of the town webmasterradio.fm thanks for listening Webmasterradio.fm. We're everywhere.
1: With over 30,000 clients and eight years of experience, WestHost is not your basement hosting company. Starting at $3.95 a month, WestHost offers the lowest-priced virtual private server technology in the industry, yet they don't sacrifice their world-class data center or superior 24-7 client support. Sign up at westhost.com today and get the hosting technology and real support your business needs at prices you can't find from other hosts. Westhost.com that's westhost.com w-e-s-t-h-o-s-t.com when you expect more from your web host If you haven't made plans to attend the PRSA 2006 International Conference, well, WebmasterRadio.fm, the official radio station of the PRSA 2006 International Conference, is dedicated to bringing you the best coverage to keep you informed before you arrive. Webmaster Radio brings you the PRSA pre-conference special, Thursday, October 12th at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Pacific. Representatives from PRSA will update you with all of the last-minute details you need. That's the PRSA pre-conference special, Thursday, October 12th at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Pacific, only on webmasterradio.fm. Remember to tune in for live, continuous coverage from the show floor, November 11th through the 14th log on to www.prsa.org for more details for the best in trade show coverage it's webmasterradio.fm we're everywhere
0: Learning how to monetize your domains. Zero dollars. Listening to affiliate marketing tips on your iPod. Zero dollars. Getting the latest search news on your cell phone. Zero dollars. Listening to Dave N. talk about garlic breath. Well, worthless. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Captain's Law.
1: Now back to The Hook.
3: The intersection of advertising and PR.
1: Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Now, here's your host.
3: Hello, I'm Katie Kempner, and we're back. And now this is bound to be a very interesting conversation we're about to have. I am joined by Kip Chang, Vice President and Director of Public Affairs for the American Association of Advertising Agencies, and Jeremy Miller, Public Relations Director of TBWA Worldwide. Hi, guys. Hey, Katie. Hey, hey Katie. <laughs> so now, let's see how this goes. Um, I think first what. We should just talk about is, you know, I had mentioned at the beginning of the show before you guys joined us that the four A's were Kip is a senior member of that they hired a PR agency, Golan Harris, to mount a campaign and actually do PR for the advertising industry as a whole, and it's created a lot of debate. Some people think it's a fantastic idea, and others are not that convinced, and I thought maybe Kip could talk a little bit about um, exactly what it is that's happening, and then Jeremy and I can weigh in. What
5: sure. What do you think? I think that's great, if that works for you,
6: Jeremy. Yeah, Absolutely.
3: All right, Kip. So, why don't you, you know, advertising age reporter several weeks ago um, wrote about this, and maybe a little prematurely. Uh, wh- why don't you tell us the genesis of everything?
5: Sure, absolutely. I mean, as you know, as you know, but maybe some of your listeners don't know, the American Association of Advertising Agencies, or the Four A's, as we're known. We're the National Association for Advertising Agency Businesses, and our job is to work on the behalf of our members who are advertising agencies. So that means that we advocate uh, on their behalf, we uh, communicate about the industry, and basically we are here as a resource for advertising agency businesses. So it would be a natural transition for us to mount a PR initiative about the industry. And, you know, as you know, it was reported in uh, the uh, September 25th issue of Advertising Age. It, it, It sort of caused a bit of a ruckus, and I think it, like you say, there are some people who think it's a great idea and some people who don't think it's such a great idea, but what what I'd like to do is sort of explain uh, a little bit more clearly, because I think it's been misreported a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, the, main, I, the main thing is that it's not mm-hmm. a PR initiative for the 4As. Um, okay. It, and I think it's been reported as an opportunity to burnish the image of the 4As, which it's mm-hmm. certainly not uh, what the, uh, the, the goal is. Um, what, it, what it's really about is uh, it, it, it's threefold. Uh, it's really about uh, uh, articulate or, or making the connection between the people who have the good news about the industry mm-hmm. uh, and bridging that the gap that exists between them and the the press and the influencers of advertising. Mm-hmm. And the second part is really by putting a spotlight on the innovations that are happening in advertising, and then. Lastly, I would say it's probably, and probably most importantly, it's about elevating the level of the discourse about how our industry is covered by the press. Um, last, this past, actually not this past Monday, but the Monday of the October 2nd, H had done a poll, and 87% of people believe that there is, uh, uh, that advertising has an image problem. And, and, you know, I think that we agree with that. And what we want to do is, uh, connect what the perception of our industry is with what's really happening.
3: And with that in mind, the 4As hired Golan Harris to put together an ongoing campaign with, with those goals in mind. Is that correct? That's right. Okay. So, hmm, Jeremy, I know I have a lot of thoughts on this. What do you, what do you think about this?
6: Well, I mean, initially, you know, and, uh, you know, as being part of the in- initial meetings when all this was happening, in an industry where everybody has an opinion, I mean, we're, we're in a world full of marketers and communicators. So, you know, planting a seed like that and opening it up to a forum and allowing everybody to speak, everybody's going to have an opinion one way or another. And I think that's a little bit of what we experienced on the on the announcement of this. Um, but Correct. as a thought of handling the industry, I think it's it's a great idea in part is, you know, we very rarely work together as an industry, so those times we can come together and have counseling as a voice and how we deal with the press, which for the most part in a lot of instances, especially when we 're dealing with industry issues, can be very adversarial mm-hmm. um, and having an outside force that you know doesn 't live and breathe the world of advertising every day, although it 's still a PR firm but give us you know, a different point of view on how to deal with the issues that are in front of us, I think it's a brilliant idea. Why wouldn't we take that you know, advantage for how we message and how we deal with the changes in the industry, how the coverage is happening, and how we're perceived as, as a whole? Um, I think well, that's something we desperately need.
3: That's an interesting point. Now, just to sort of, I mean, we, you know, it's true. We all heard about this at the 4A's PR committee where we're all you know where Jeremy and I are members and Kip helps to lead the committee and um I was one of the first people that said you know sort of and and I don't know the answer but just some questions you know do you think that agencies, in a way, so I mean, in a way, Jeremy, even though we're friends, aren't we sort of in competition with each other for a story? If Forbes is going to write a story about, you know, your agency or my agency, why do I also want Golan Harris calling Forbes for a general story when I want the story well, on a trend with CPB as the main, per- you know, as the main? Uh, <laughs>
5: i think your point is actually uh, uh, spot on mm-hmm. uh, but however it doesn't speak to what the program is actually about mm-hmm. um Golan Harris, working with the Four A's in terms of doing industry-wide PR, is really about taking a real, a, a very broad view of what's happening in the industry. It, it, it's not; me- it's meant to be supplementary and complementary to the efforts that individual agency PR professionals are doing. And so, mm-hmm. in a way, but it, it's about having sort of an outside, objective point of view, looking at how these different pieces come together and being able to put together uh, an idea or a story idea that an individual agency may not be thinking of or may not have on their own agenda. I mean, uh, one thing that I thought was interesting with your conversation with uh, Deborah earlier was you know, she was saying that part of her job is sort of like being a bit of a journalist. She has to gather a lot of information and then synthesize this information and then put it out there.
6: Mm-hmm. Now,
5: the, the, the relationship between, and, and then subsequently you talked about sort of the tricky relationship between uh, reporters and editors and PR professionals at agencies. Uh, I think one of the great benefits of having an outside PR council is that mm-hmm. they won't, uh, it, 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 that uh, relationship, the individual personal relationship that you have with the journalist, it, it won't be compromised or uh, affected Insofar as Golan Harris will be, it, be taking stories um, or uh, packages of stories that may, may sometimes involve Crispin, may sometimes involve TBWA, but maybe not. And if, if it doesn't fit, it won't be included. Do you know what I mean?
3: Yeah, you know, you raise a very interesting point because, and don't you think that a reporter prefers to talk with the PR person at an actual agency or somebody like you that, you know, is from a, you know, I, I a trade yes. organization as opposed to talking to a PR person who's then one more step removed from the actual yeah, story? And I think
6: you're right that they're not going to want the gatekeeper as a filter. Yeah. Um, you know, we know that. I mean, for you know, and I'm sure you and I both deal with that. You know, the reporters we deal with day-to-day, hate the fact that they still have to go through us instead of picking up the phone and calling you know chuck or alex on your side or tom on my side and, and then they're one you know, more step away from that, right? From that. But, I mean, obviously we have a job and they respect that. But mm-hmm. I also think there are times for, you know, for the industry, especially on bigger, broader issues, where we're being approached as an industry to talk, where Chuck might be quoted or some of our other execs, and having mm-hmm. sound points of view from the industry standpoint where they're important, you know, what you know, minorities in, in advertising, um, you know, if obesity starts coming into fast food advertising, all the issues that rise up and, you know, we're asked to be experts on having, you know, a similar point of view across the industry and having a PR firm that can help with those issues mm-hmm. and those broad articles that come up, I, I think we need it. Um, you know, otherwise, we're, you know, we end up battling each other and, you know, all the problems with perception continue.
3: Now, let me ask you something, Jeremy. AdAge, in this October 2nd editorial that um, Kip referenced where it says, forays, push, push must show best of biz, AdAge says that in order for this to work, the PR must focus on substance, prove how they maximize return on investment, and demonstrate a credo of media neutrality, among other things. I can't can't even read. I don't know the date. I can't read. (laughs) Media (laughs) neutrality, among other things. I mean, do you really think that that's, that's possible? I mean, I I don't, say that I mean in the a, goal of this shouldn't be to promote
6: the 4 as an institution, and I think Kip said that that's not the goal. But right. the goal to bring the agencies, you know, uh, most of the big agencies and small agencies have members on the 4A's board, and, having, and giving them advice and guidance on how to deal with the overarching issues of our industry and how mm-hmm. to talk to that as a group, I think is a smart thing. And the other thing to think about is it's not necessarily educating the reporters that we deal with every day. But it's dealing with those other reporters that touch the industry on, on it, sort of, you know, you know what maybe once a year, or they cover another industry, and suddenly mm-hmm. they're writing about advertising. And to have an ability to get access, to go through a central point, to find, you know, find the resources and things that they need, and also have a clear understanding of how this works, mm-hmm. is not such a bad thing. Um, so
3: now, Kip, in a, in the perfect world of how the the you know this should play out, if it plays out terrifically, what would that look like?
5: Well, uh, the answer. Well, l- let me just back up. I'll answer that question in a second. But just to back up your question to Jeremy about whether or not it's possible, uh, essentially, uh, uh, based on this uh, adage uh, editorial, mm-hmm. the, the 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 question is. You know, I think there's concern that this PR program is just about promoting fluff. But if it is about promoting fluff, then the program is over before it begins. The idea, the fundamental idea is that this is about communicating real substance out there about what agencies really are doing in terms of return on investment, on advertising spending, in terms of really understanding what Web 2.0 is about and how uh, agencies are helping their clients understand and utilize the tools uh, with, in terms of technology and media and media neutrality. So it's really substantive stuff. The, the, the problem, I think, uh, at, I, I mean, my feeling is that advertising agency coverage tends to be somewhat cyclical. Mm -hmm. So there are agencies that get a lot of attention and then some agencies that don't get attention. And, you know, the the idea of having an industry-wide program is that, to help with the agencies that are doing tr- tremendously innovative work that may not be at the center of the spotlight now i don 't think that that means that the agencies that are getting coverage uh, lose some of their spotlight but it re- 's really about shifting the the type of coverage that 's happening. Um, the, uh, we did a media audit in terms of how coverage is being done uh, within uh, our business, both on the trade side and in general business publication mm-hmm. and over the past year uh, you know if you were categorizing it between negative and neutral, about half of the coverage in the trade uh, publications was negative, and half of it was neutral if you 're looking at it in the general business, about forty percent was negative thirty six was positive, and twenty one was neutral so it 's really about shifting the pie so that i, I, I you know I, I have no um, belief that the, what will be success is 100% positive coverage, because the truth is, there isn't. And nor, nor, should there, nor should there be, you know, but it really is about getting the truth out, because it cannot, this industry cannot be 100% bad. It cannot be 100% uh, agency executives are clueless, you know, and, and I think that that's sort of the, the position that we're coming from, which is mm-hmm. that if we can shift the scales a little bit so that the coverage is more balanced, because if it's half negative and half neutral, that's certainly not a balanced coverage of the industry.
3: I mean, do you think, though, you know, be, I've heard people say this before, and I don't necessarily degre- disagree with it, that the industry as a whole, the advertising industry as a whole, is a somewhat self-loathing business? I mean, you go to a lot of (laughs) of conferences and people talk about what a bad image we have. I mean, are we sort of doing it to ourselves in some ways?
5: Um, You know, I've been reading a lot of that stuff, like what's the problem, you know, what is the chip on the (laughs) shoulder that advertising people have and they need to get over themselves and why do we need to celebrate? Why do we need to pat ourselves on the back? Well, you know, the truth is... um, Part, part of business and part of doing good business is recognizing what's good in your business. And and I, I think that to, you know, I, I don't necessarily believe that their advertising people have a chip on their shoulder mm-hmm. in, any more than I believe that people who work in uh, media have a chip on their shoulder, or members of the press have a chip on their shoulder. It it, it depends de- specific on the person, but if, if there's this sort of general perception that people in advertising have a chip on their shoulders, then th- to me that's sort of a public relations problem, because mm-hmm. I don't think that there's a general perce- perception that people who work on the press side have a chip on their shoulders, but... Certainly, Jeremy and Katie, you and I know that there are people who have a chip on their shoulder. So, I, I think that you know, it's the, the the perceptual problem is not going to be addressed entirely by public relations, but certainly that's part of the program.
6: You know, I mean,
5: marketing communications is the whole breadth
6: of things. And so, right. Well, one of the th- I mean, there's a, there's a couple things from, on my side that you know. First of all, as an industry, we sh- we certainly whine about how we get covered quite extensively, and there's a lot of people that do that. Hmm. Um, And and it's an interesting, you know, everybody wants the coverage, but instead of, you know, building to where the trends are, we try to we battle we battle change tooth and nail from happening. Um, you know, if you look at how you know, look how advertising ages evolved just in the last couple of years in terms of their coverage. You know, campaign stories are almost completely out of the magazine unless there's, you know, a real strong media component to it. So how we get covered and what's going to get covered in the industry has drastically changed. So that's number one. And the other thing that we deal with and you know you know, and I hear this from Lee, the reality is we're interrupting people's lives. You know, so, unless we're doing it in a way that they accept us into their living rooms and into their lives, it's going to be an adversarial argument all along because, mm-hmm. you know, let's be honest, most of the advertising out there disappears off the map. You know, the days of when you had just a good campaign and it getting noticed and coverage are gone. Um, you know, you have to have something that's, you know, really on the cutting edge or breakthrough or entertaining or changing the model. For, for everybody to stand up and take notice, and for consumers to react to it, so getting everybody off the fence and changing that attitude that's, you know—it's part of the argument. You know, mm-hmm. you know, if you think about it, ninety percent of what out there is out there, you know, doesn't even meet the great standard, and that's what's getting coverage. It's that last, probably even five percent nowadays, that even gets pickup. So the majority of what we do disappears off the map, and no one wants to talk about it. And we whine about it, but it's the reality of the business. So how do we change those attitudes? You know, as an industry, we all have to agree of, you know, what's important to us, and having a voice doing that will definitely help. Um, It's going to be an interesting interesting thing to do.
3: Well, you know, you, you raise an interesting... Point and I'll not to over you, okay, no one is allowed to say interesting for the next ten minutes, <laughs> but I mean you you do raise a very good point because especially considering that you work for an agency and you do an amazing job there, you guys get a lot of press, and I know c p b gets a lot of press as well, so we're sort of talking from one end, and I won't name any agencies, but it would it would have maybe. Been an uh, interesting. Oh, I did it. Uh oh, I'm off. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it would have been a, another kind of debate if we had on uh, an agency that maybe didn't have as as much. But well, I, I mean, think, Katie,
5: I think that that's uh, an Im- important point as well because <laughs> the four A's membership is made up. You know, we represent over 1,200 agency offices in the U.S. And so within the 1,200 agencies, uh, there. There aren't only the two dozen that get covered over and over again. You know, we represent agencies of all sizes across all different types of marketing, communications, disciplines, and I I think that there's a great opportunity for us in this uh, public relations initiative Mm -hmm. to help to identify those people who are working uh, who do have the great ideas. I mean, one of the things that came up in Advertising Age uh, today is, why is it that you go to every conference and nobody says anything controversial? Everybody's sort of walking the party line and trying not to uh, rock the boat. The irony being that this, this industry is about, as Jeremy says, some kind of disruption. It's about shaking things up a little bit. And so... Uh, You know, you may know individually at CPB and at TBWA who your disruptive voices are, who will be great, you know, to be great for the influencers and the press, but you may not know together. And I may know a little bit because I know the people within the PR committee but the, and this is all about the gatekeeper question that you have but mm-hmm. to be able to have somebody who can look at this from a 50,000 foot point of view and then narrow in on the individuals rather than being uh, being at the individual level and then trying to back up i think is much harder um you know, I mean, I think what was interesting, what Deborah said earlier, you'd asked her, you know, what was a really fun, interesting that you did? And she was talking about a, the T-Mobile campaign, about the social networking website right. that they did, that they got their uh, their client to buy off on. And to me, that's a really excellent example of the types of stories, and, and she, very truthfully, she got it covered in Adweek. Ad but. There's a lot of things, you know, it, when we ask our members, well, what's the most creative thing you're doing? What's the most interesting thing you're doing? You know, nine times out of ten, it's not, an, a, it's not a 30 second commercial. It's something else. It's, you know, it's about utilizing social networking or word of mouth or something, and I hate this term, but some kind of non traditional way of approaching a, a brand message. And, but I'm not sure that the coverage reflects that. The coverage seems to be agencies, uh, you know, in the uh, capital. A agencies as a whole, all they're doing are 30-second commercials, but the truth is actually very different from that, and that's really what we're trying to get out there uh, with this program.
3: And where you're trying to get it, get it out, sort of circling back to my perfect scenario, this yeah. isn't so much within the trade magazine well, industry, is it?
5: I mean, certainly, tr- trades are an important part of uh, sort of the interaction between the media and this industry. Mm-hmm. Um, But, you know, I think that there's, uh, as Jeremy was mentioning, there may be people who cover advertising uh, sporadically. um, But I I feel like what's been happening for me, I, I feel that there's an increase of calls that I get from people who don't, cover an advertising beat, per se, but may cover mm-hmm. a business beat. And the impact of advertising, and, and actually, let's not use the word advertising. Let's use marketing communications, sort of touches on a lot more things these days than they have in the past. And, you, you know, I, I think that there's a, really a tremendous opportunity because, you know, now we're talking about media, consumer-generated media. We're talking about word of mouth. And all these things, at some point, were developed or affected by or connected to an advertising agency and you know we represent advertising agencies and i want advertising agencies to get their fair credit
3: so then the perfect scenario would also but would lean more heavily on stories sort of in business and in the, in print in business, or are we also talking? No, you want more People on the Today Show, or no, I'm just I mean, trying to understand what the perfect setup is.
5: Well, just to just to uh, say for the record, we're still in the process of developing the 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 fine details of how the mm-hmm. program will roll out. But certainly, I can imagine that it will go beyond simply just. Getting the editors and reporters from the trades to uh, sort of quote like us more, which is really not that liking or not liking is not part of the scenario it It really is about being able to articulate clearly what the business opportunities that agencies have uh, created to help their clients so and that could manifest itself in in the trades, in general business media, and radio, mm-hmm. you know, just it, it really just about uh, shifting the conversation, really, and that mm-hmm. conversation can be had anywhere.
6: I, and it, Katie, and back to the point, because we had this part of this discussion, was, you know, selfishly as an agency, do I want to share, you know, the spotlight in terms of leadership or direction of who we are with another mm-hmm. agency? I mean, the simple answer to that is more likely than not, no. As much as I can have that uh, be about us, showing us as the thought leader, showing us as driving the industry. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the battle that we're going to have, obviously, in how we move forward with this. I mean, if I have a breaking campaign that's breaking into new media, and look, you know, Katie, you guys do this quite often where you're the first mover in a lot of different categories, and the work tied into the media is getting you the coverage. You know, Do you want the reporter playing with somebody else? Probably not. So you know it's going to be it's going to be an interesting thing as this starts moving forward to see how that balances out and you know bringing in more voices to give more validity to what we do and you know and challenging it to be more than just a one off from a great agency that this is the drive of the industry and this is how we're doing things. So and, basically
3: uh, what you're saying Jeremy is I just want everyone to play with me. I want to no, be the most popular. No, it's not it's, <laughs> I, you know, it's
6: not that. It's going to be a challenge, you know, do I am I am I are we more than capable of going to the Fortune and Forbes and the beat reporters? Yeah, we deal with that on our clients on a regular basis. But we also deal with the misperceptions that they have, you know, and preconceived notions of who we are and what we do when we're dealing with non-day-to-day reporters, and also having the ability when bigger issues arise to pull in resources as necessary, either to help make our point, to bring in third-party experts, to do all the things that sometimes I don't have as a resource, or the press is calling, for lack of a, um, a better term, "bowl on, you know, if I can call Kip or Golan Harris and refer a reporter over there and have them find third parties to help with that, I'm more apt to do it if if it helps my cause.
5: And that's mm-hmm. absolutely right because Jeremy, I don't. What I want is I want TBWA to get that spotlight story. I want CPB to get that spotlight story. But that that the PR program doesn't exclude that. You know, it, it, a great story in Forbes or Business Week about CPB. I think is reflective of what's uh, the larger picture of what's happening within the industry. So everybody continues to do their job, and what Golden Harris does is help to supplement and complement the jobs that everybody's doing.
3: That makes a lot of sense, and, and the truth is there can only be so many stories about CPB or TBWA or, or any one particular agency, and in fact, I've found from my side, and I bet you feel the same way, Jeremy, that I'm looking more and more to pitch trend stories myself just because, you know, CPB's been out there quite a bit, and there's only so many times people want to talk to or read about the same agency.
5: And, and what we will provide is a, a great opportunity, uh, you know, uh, Jeremy saying, hey, you can call Kip or call Golden Harris, and we can have the five people who can talk about engagement because you're working on something that's specifically related to engagement. Or we can give you the five experts within the industry or within academia who who can under, talk about social networking. And mm-hmm. it, it may, I think it'll simply it, – it sounds complicated sort of as we're cooking the soup, but mm-hmm. when the soup gets presented to you at your table – at JoJo, it'll be
3: delicious. (laughs) (laughs) And you'll tell us a
6: JoJo story later. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, think about it, too. I mean, if you look at, you know, who the industry goes to, you know, third-party sources, you know, it's Al Rees and Jack Trout and, you know, a lot of other people who have their own agendas. I mean, and while, you know, they're very good at what they do, they're not representing the industry because most often than not, they're in an adversarial voice. The press is looking to stir up things. So that's so yes. not uh, to say that they should be ignored and either.
3: We are out of time, but I want to thank both of you, Jeremy and Kip and Deborah earlier for joining me today. This has been a very a terrific and uh, thought provoking show. So thank you to both of you. Thanks, Katie. Thanks, Katie. And, and thank you for listening. That's all we have time for today. But please join me Tuesdays at two o'clock at the intersection of advertising and PR for the hook. Have a fantastic day. Bye bye.